Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge, where East meets West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California and now living here in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. I'm also living in Beijing, just like Jason, and I'm proudly representing the northeast part of China where I'm from. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Um, welcome to the show, Miguel Roberg, who is an American living in Beijing. In the past, he's worked for China National Petroleum and China International Publishing Group in their international marketing departments. Recently, he has been focusing on his YouTube channel. He shares his videos about living in China for 12 years and thoughts about China. In his spare time, he loves to travel with his wife, who is also an influencer. Welcome to the show, Miguel. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to have you on the show. What is the name of your YouTube channel? So my YouTube channel is called Trippin, and it's a channel that I originally started with my wife uh, to document our travels around China, but also in uh, other countries. We've been many places throughout Asia and Europe. So that was what the original idea was. Mm -hmm. And now it's changing a little bit. How long have you lived in China exactly? Well, I've been here for 12 years. Actually, I came here in September of 2010. So yeah, wow, it's been a long time starting my 13th year here in China. So did you live the entire time here in Beijing? Uh, no, actually, when I first arrived, I ended up down in the south um, near Hangzhou. There's a small city called Shaoxing, so mm. in Zhejiang province. And wow. um, yeah, it's not very big. I mean, it's big for Americans because it's still like 1.5 million people. Um, <laughs> but for China, it's considered a pretty small area or small town. Yeah, so. I have the same experience. My wife is from Yantai, Shandong, Shandong, Yantai, and it's 7 million. But every time I go there, I feel like I'm in kind of a small town. It's like, this is seven times the si population of San Francisco, which is like a big city. We have talked about that side. extensively. Yeah. And San Francisco sounds like a city with so many more people, but actually doesn't. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, I mean, we have that all over the United States. When I came here, I think that's one of the things that you first notice is just the scale of things in China mm. is when you first arrive now, it's, you know. 12 years. You're too used to <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, too now. used to it. It doesn't seem like that. But I still see this all the time, especially on like YouTube. People will come travel here and they'll just be like, whoa, <laughs> China's so big. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Starbucks. <laughs> or yeah, or, or stuff like that. Whoa, it's so developed and it's so big. Like I didn't expect this. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like where I first arrived was in Shaoxing. And I was there for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Shenyang, which is in the north. And um, don't they? Yeah, yeah, Shenyang. I Interesting didn't, city. I, I didn't survive. <laughs> I didn't survive in Shenyang very long. I moved in the winter, and I left right before the next winter. That's so. the perfect opportunity for me to learn more about Dongbei from two people who have yes. lived there. Uh, so what are your what observations do you want to know? about life and society in Dongbei? Beautiful Dongbei. Uh, for me personally, I like I said, I moved like it was like January or February when I moved <laughs> and I was moving from kind of the South, like from mm. Shaoxing yeah. and the temperature in Shaoxing will get to like around freezing. So you'll have days where it's, you know, maybe in the middle of the winter. Yeah. That's like, that's like the coldest days. Yeah. Like you might have a day of snow, mm. like, and people will run outside and be like, Whoa, it's snowing. It's so exciting. <laughs> uh, and me too. I mean, I'm from Florida. So like snow is exciting, but like in <laughs> Shaoxing, there wasn't really like cold. Like yeah. it's cold, but it's not like icy, like frozen. And so when I went in the middle of winter to Shenyang, 
I stepped off the train and it's like negative 20 <laughs> and I'm just like, where am I? And um, then that was like, that was like the first three months where I was just frozen the whole time. Did you go to the Harbin Ice Festival? Not, <laughs> not, when, not when I was there, not question. when I was there, but I did go actually more recently. I went in 2019 oh. and right before. How was that experience? Um, it was really cool. It was actually one of the... Like, you mean um, it was really cold? Well, that <laughs> too, right? Um, but it was one of those bucket list things where it's like, it's always, I always see the pictures and I'm always like, that looks so cool. And then it was like creeping and creeping and creeping. And I'm like, maybe I'm going to leave China. Maybe I'm not. Better go do it before I actually leave. And yeah. 2019, right? At that, that winter time of 2019 made the perfect sense. And then, uh, yeah, I went with my wife and we had a great time. It's really beautiful. In mm. the sculptures, like, it's just amazing that people can make that type of, like, ice sculpture. And, like, I mean, it's like real buildings. Mm. Like, you can walk through the buildings and stuff. So that was an interesting experience. So where are you originally from in the U.S.? Well, like I said, I'm from Florida. So I was from different areas in Florida. Like, mm. I didn't stay in one spot. Um, When I was first, like, when I first moved to Florida, I was very young, like, four years old. So it wasn't, like, me moving. It was my... My parents. Well, where, did, where did you move from? <laughs> I moved from Tennessee, um, where I was there for four years in Tennessee. And then we moved to um, a city that is like, because Florida is big. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of different towns, but most people don't know anything other than like Miami and Orlando. Mm, so yeah. I was in and Disneyland. It, Disneyland. Well, that's, that's, that is that's in Orlando, Orlando yeah. right? Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's what I always get. They're like Miami Heat. And I'm like, I don't watch NBA. And they're like, Disneyland. Disneyland. And I'm like, I don't watch Miami Disney Vice. movies. Yeah. Miami Vice, there you go. Um, so um, I lived like in central Florida, which is kind of neither close, like just not close to either of those places. And so Manatee County is like where I was mm. living. And then my father moved to the University of Florida to work. So he started working at UF, which is University of Florida. And that's in Gainesville. So I lived there for a few mm. years. And then I went to the University of South Florida for my degree where mm. I got my marketing degree. And that is in like Tampa Bay. Mm. So like the nice. Tampa Bay area. So kind of all over USF, USF. Yeah. Hmm. University of South Florida. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. I have a question. You travel around Asia a lot. When you were in the U.S., did you travel around in the U.S. a lot? Did you get to see a lot of U.S. sites? No, I mean, I came to China right after university. Mm. So you don't really travel in the U.S. I mean, I guess some people travel in the U.S., but it's it's one of those large countries that don't have good transportation. <laughs> um, <laughs> you get in the so, RV, I guess you're well, yeah, retired. So, yeah, you go, you you, go you to you like could, the Grand Canyon. and Yeah, right. It seems like something you do after you're done working. Like here in China, I can hop on the trains and just yeah. get to any city within like two or three hours. Mm. And it's really convenient for for me specifically yeah. but for a lot of people and so it doesn't seem like you're going like the distance like because Hangzhou to Beijing or like Shanghai to Beijing like that's like five hours that would be like the same as like the eastern seaboard kind of mm. in a sense mm. because when you look at those distances it's relatively it's the same like China is relatively the same size as the United States mm. when yeah. you actually look at the actual square kilometers or whatever mm. And so here it feels like I can just easily get places. But in the United States, it's like you got to go to an airport. You got to go through the TSA and yeah. you got to deal with all the airport you stuff. You can and take Amtrak. It just takes a long time. Oh, oh I mean, you can. But like, <laughs> but, but like where? Again. if you're in New York to like New Jersey and like New Hampshire and stuff, like mm -hmm. there's a couple of small routes. Right. But like, I don't think there's Amtrak in Florida. 
Oh wow, I didn't know this. That's like, kind of surprised not, me. Yeah, we we've we've talked about Amtrak a lot hmm. on episodes where we're talking about transportation. I've taken Amtrak a lot in in California. Yeah. Jason's not really a huge fan. Hey, like, they have a car that's specifically <laughs> devoted to eating, so I'm not like I'm hating on Amtrak. It does make a clunk sound. That's all I'm saying. If they, <laughs> if they're a it just quieter, runs on cold. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy in the engine room. You know. <laughs> began your travels in china yeah so when i i it was actually an interesting story i graduated in 2010 mm. and we had just come out of the recession in 2008 the house yeah. the housing crisis and all that and i had seen destruction of everything that had happened mm. the job market hadn't truly recovered yet it was still soft and I had just gone through university and I had just seen all this and I was disillusioned by just everything. And I was like, I want to travel. Mm -hmm. So I told my father, I was like, I'm going to go to South America. Makes sense. I'm in South America. I'm going to go maybe to Peru or, mm -hmm. you know, wherever I could find right some there. kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just kind of hop around in Central and South America. My name's Miguel. I was in Florida. I knew a lot of Hispanic people mm. from different um, places. I mean, they could, they, they migrate. So there was a lot of Mexicans. There was a lot of Guatemalans. There was a lot of people. And my sister had traveled all through Central and South America um, during like her summer vacations because she's a teacher. And um, at the time she's a teacher. Now she's a lawyer. But at the time she was a teacher. So she, every summer she would go traveling to Central and South America. And she's like, Costa Rica, Belize, it's great. It's amazing. You can lay on the beaches and, you know, great food, great people. So I was like, I'm going, that's where I'm going. <laughs> that's what, that's like what I want to do. Right. I want to go, you know, hang out on the beaches. But my dad had come to China in 2008. And he was like, if you go to South America, you will make no money. He's like, you'll probably have a good time, but you're going to come back with nothing. Mm. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem so bad. I have nothing. I have nothing now. <laughs> All I want is a like, good time. Like, yeah. Yeah, laying on the beach. <laughs> laying on the beach. And he's like, no, no, no. The future is China. He's like, he was there. He was here for like a summer program because he's also a teacher. Mm. Um, he was teaching uh, English for university students that overseas students. So ESL mm. at the University of Florida. So mm. he was teaching people from Saudi Arabia. He was teaching a lot of Asian um, students from China and from mm. South Korea and Japan. And so he was like, go to China. So he had done a program. So he's like, go to China. And I was like, I don't know, China, it's a communist country. Uh, <laughs> all the stuff that we and hear. My grandmother right? said yeah. the same Great. thing. It's all the things that you hear in, yeah. in, in Western media is like, oh, it's like this terrible communist country where nothing gets done. And there's like, you know, sweatshops and stuff. It's like the the labor, you know, it's like the, the manufacturing center of the world, but you don't go there. Hmm. But my dad was like, no, they're lying. I was like, what do you mean they're lying? He's like, I was literally there like a year ago. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. So then I started looking into it and there was actually opportunities to come here and uh, at, at first teaching, because that's what every everybody, but that's what many people, people do. do. They yeah. come here and teach. And it was going to be a one-year um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, always, you know, you know the story. Going. It was going to be one year. year. <laughs> it was going to be one year, and then twelve years later. Twelve years later, <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah, it was going to be a one year thing, and then I was going to make a little bit of money, and then I was going to travel through Southeast Asia, which is what the plan was. But I met my wife, so that's kind of like the start of my China journey. Was mm. my father pushed me into it, even though I had no desire to come here. You're listening to the Bridge. Your wife is also an influencer, right? Yeah. Is she um, on the same channel, Trip Bitten? 
Well, she has her own channel um, called Go Yvonne, and mm. her channel is kind of the same, but I worked for a media company, like you said when, in the introduction. I worked for a media company for about four years doing international uh, marketing, which was, I mean, it's basically social media marketing. So mm. Facebook, YouTube, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I was helping them with their um, kind of English content that was going out to a foreign audience. When I ended that job, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Mm. My wife had a small YouTube channel maybe 5,000 subscribers. And I said, let's do a 10 years in China series. And nice. she was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. I'm on board for that. So I focused a lot on her channel when I first finished working. And that pushed her up to like 22,000 subscribers on YouTube, which, you know, that's not a lot, but it's not nothing, mm. if that makes mm. sense. Like it's at that level where if you, if you were to give it a lot of time and energy, you could probably push it into actually being like a full-time influencer, mm. push it up to that 100,000 mark. And then that's where you actually start getting real brand deals and things mm. actually can start becoming kind of self-sufficient, but she works full time. Mm. So I can't really focus on that channel and she doesn't really have time for that channel. So after getting her to that spot, she was kind of like, oh, I don't really, the 10 years in China series was over. It did really well. Mm. And she mm. was kind of like, I don't know if I kind of want to keep doing it because there's no travel opportunities right now because this was 2001 mm. and things had become more restrictive here just in general. I mean, the whole world had become yeah. more restrictive. And so we started to kind of give up on that mm. sort of because she was just too busy with her work. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I refocused and said, well, maybe I could just take my other channel, which was Trippin, mm -hmm. and I can just grow yourself, grow myself because mm -hmm. like I have more time. I'm not working. So I was like, why don't I just go ahead and focus on this? Well, you haven't just traveled in China. You've also traveled to other nations. So where are some of the other places that you've traveled? Uh, we've been a lot of places in... Asia. So we've been to Japan multiple times. Mm. We've been to Korea. I've been once. She's been multiple times. Uh, we've been to North Korea, which was interesting. Um, we've been to Cambodia. We've been to Laos. We've been to Thailand. Nice. Uh, we've been to Malaysia. <laughs> we've been many places. The coolest thing that we did, actually two cool stories from outside of China. One was actually in the summer of 2019. Uh, my wife, Yvonne, had a training like work training mm. in London. So she flew to London and did her training. And when the training was done, she flew to Moscow and I met her in Moscow. So I, we went, I flew from Beijing to Moscow and then we took the train from Moscow all the way back to Beijing. Wow. So we did the How train. How long was so that jealous. train ride? It was, it was a two week journey. And, and with that, you can do as long as you want, but we only yeah. had two weeks mm -hmm. and we actually would have preferred maybe another week or two because then you could stop in more places and mm -hmm. see more of the Russian countryside because it really is kind of rural on those train lines. This is a very silly question, but is that, does that only require one train ticket? Then you can just hop on and off kind of like those tour buses or... <laughs> Um, it, How does it work? Yeah, I mean, the, it, it is multiple train tickets. Um, luckily, because we didn't want to deal with the headache of figuring all the logistics out because mm. we don't speak Russian and it just it's complicated. And our trip was a little bit shorter. Most people do three or four weeks wow. because they want to stop more places. But because we only had two weeks because of her our uh, vacation time, she only mm. had two weeks. Um, we ended up in going through a company. So we hired a tour company and they actually booked all the tickets. I think in all there was about four or five actual train tickets, mm. but we weren't concerned about it because they had a person at each uh, stop 
Mm. Um, like a local who was willing to like be there with a sign with our names and when we got off. <laughs> I know, I know, but yeah, like arriving yeah, like the royal. Yeah, I mean luxury travel. I mean, <laughs> if you have the money, you might as well do it. And the thing was, it wasn't even that expensive. I think like for that two weeks with like hotels and everything included, mm. it was I think about three thousand euros per person. So that's not like a crazy amount of money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like six thousand euros for this, and then every stop that we get off on. There's somebody with a car and with a place that's taking us to a hotel, which is already booked. Nice. And then we just drop our bags off and then we can go explore the city. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and since we were trying to make content like video, uh, for our channels, mm. uh, it makes a lot of sense to do it that way because you can lose a lot of time traveling, trying to find a hotel, exactly. trying to find transportation. And that's not stuff you can actually film. Right. I mean, yes, you can film it, but nobody's going to watch it. I like, would I'm price. lost like, in Russia. <laughs> we might not be able to come out of this trip alive or still with our equipment. Mm. So, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. You traveled from Russia to China. Did you travel through intermediary countries? And Yeah, we went through Mongolia. So uh, it was uh, Moscow to Yekaterinburg. Um, and then it was um, Ikutsk. And then it was into Mo- Mongolia, Yulimbatar. Mm. And then from mm. there, we went to Beijing. So it was it was like three or four stops. And we went to a little island along the way, which was really cool. Um, there's a Lake Baikal, which is mm. like the famous, like the deepest lake in the world or something. Mm. And um, deepest freshwater lake mm. in the world. I don't know. I think all lakes are freshwater. Yes. I think so, right? <laughs> but it, I think it I don't is know, the because biggest. Like, oh, I guess you could say the like the sea. Flats. Flats yeah, like Utah. the Dead Sea and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I bet I guess then they call it a lake sea, city, not a lake. So, yeah, Salt Lake City. Yeah. Okay, anyways, unimportant. And in China, there's a, is it Qinghai? There's oh, a huge yeah. lake. There, that's oh, a you salt, are right. That's there a salt is a, lake. Okay. And it's beautiful pictures, and it's like, <laughs> apparently, don't drink that. Qinghai, <laughs> yeah. we could be wrong. We'll fact, we'll fact check it. Okay, so. Yeah, but Qinghai is supposed to be really pretty. Like, I've actually, that's one of the places, there's probably three or four places that I still want to see in China. Mm-hmm. Um, that you've never been? That I haven't been to. Okay. Yeah, Qinghai is one of them. I actually have a friend out there, Mariam, who has a YouTube channel, Mariam in China, and her husband, uh, really interesting couple um, with mm-hmm. their two kids and um, I've been wanting to go out there and hang out like in the area because it seems very rural but mm-hmm. let, but like in an interesting way mm-hmm. not yeah. like just like nothing, nothing going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if the way that you approach where you've traveled in China is where you haven't been where have you been because it sounds like the list might be longer oh yeah the list is is much longer so we've been Xi'an obviously mm-hmm. uh, Chengdu um We've been to Shanghai. We've been to Hangzhou. We've been to, I mean, I could go on Qingdao. There's, so where, there's like lots of places, Guangzhou, Shenzhen. These what are like places. two or three of your favorite, you know, highlights that of places that you would want to go again or that you would recommend to one of your friends if they were coming over? Yeah, I mean, Chengdu. A lot of people like mm. Chengdu. And it's a unique enough city. I mean, it's still pretty Chinese in the sense of there's not something super unique, but you have the pandas. And so that's that's what makes it. Like, the are they pandas. just like roll, rolling around on the streets? I mean, like, I wish I would I would steal one. Everyone and take says there's so many pandas. I'm yeah. just like, do you have to go to a zoo, right? Well, it's something. a reserve. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a like a panda reserve, I think is what they call it. Hmm. And um, it is a zoo, but it's not like what you think of like a zoo with a sad, yeah, zoo. like a sad glass, and you're like, <laughs> there's a tiger, mommy. Um, no, it's uh, it's a bit more open, mm-hmm. so they're allowed to kind of roam around. It's like Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're the ones behind the glass. Yep. Um, yeah, and so you can go there and see the pandas. I've seen it, I think, three times now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I so was, you've definitely had the spicy hot pot. Oh yeah. 
Oh God, <laughs> I have hot pot stories that can't be told here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I don't like. I, I really don't want. Like I it. really want to hear that. <laughs> Wait, have you been to Chengdu? No, I was about to say Miguel beats me like Miguel beats me three times because as a Chinese person, I've never seen a real panda. Well, actually, I. A lot Shamed. of it seems like to me, and maybe I'm wrong, that most Chinese folks are like not traveling all over China to see China. So a, a lot of foreigners come over. Like you were mentioned, we were talking about the U.S. Most Americans have not traveled all over America. They've only traveled in the vicinity of their home or where they've moved. And I think the same is true of Chinese people. So when maybe when Chinese folks go to America, we get the opposite. Is that true? Not for me. I was I was a little <laughs> I was a little stupid. I was like, oh, you know, I was. My mom, I, I was telling my mom after I had moved back to China and I said, oh, mom, you know, um, I was trying to save money when I was studying in the U.S. Um, and I didn't go to uh, when, when Cuba first opened up. I was like, oh, I did. I would love to go to Cuba. I would love to go to Mexico. I'd love to go to all those places. But I was saving money. And the mom, my mom said, yeah, you stupid. <laughs> she said, it's going to be more expensive now that you've come back to go mm-hmm. there. You should have used the opportunity you while you were there. Some, you went to New York. You went to was, North Carolina. You went to Boston. <laughs> Miguel left. Los, An- <laughs> Los Angeles? Yeah, a couple times for San visiting. Francisco? Never been to San oh, Francisco. Okay. But where, where, where have you, where, what's the list? Let's get oh, your my, travel my, list. My, my U.S. travel list? Yes, your tra- oh, God. Yes. This is the perfect opportunity. I mean, maybe even your China tra- travel, travel list because it sounds like it's very short. It travel. is very short. It is very Travel short, influencer. Shamefully. So this is the perfect opportunity oh, to compare notes. Okay, for my, for my New York travel, my New York travel list. My U.S. travel list will exclude exclude the cities I lived in, which is Boston, Charlotte, New York, right? So I went to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, I think you've been to more places in the States than I have. <laughs> I've been to Oregon, California, <laughs> Nevada, and Washington State. That's it? That's it. Okay. Well, yeah. then I probably, I probably, we're probably at the same place because I'm about to come to the end of my list. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Portland, Maine, not Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, New Orleans. <laughs> that's it. That's mm. it. I think and, that's it. And, and LA. LA, of course. Yeah. Well, LA. Yes. So I think you win by one or two states, actually. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> so Chengdu, where, where, what other amazing places have you seen? Um, How did actually, you, wait, actually in, I, have a, I have a different question. Okay. Beijing versus Shanghai. Oh, God, oh, Jason. Yeah, let's, come on, let's have it. The Beijing versus Shanghai debate. Um, I would say Beijing because I live here. Yes. Beijing. (laughs) Sorry, guys. The thing with Beijing is there's a lot more historic stuff Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more historic sites and and just things to do. So if you're into that, Mm -hmm. you'll like Beijing. If you like museums. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, even like the Temple of Heaven Mm -hmm. and like the Forbidden City and like Jinshan Park. Those are all really nice places. So if you're a tourist, Mm -hmm. Beijing, 100%. Hmm. If you're living here and want to be like an international, like feel like cocktails, yeah, yeah, feel like, yeah feel like cocktails. You want Dress, to be like dressing up like a fancy person, then Shanghai holding because, your drink by a yeah. Stand. If you're gonna if you're gonna be if you're gonna be working there and you want to feel like I'm like in New York light or something, where you're like, hey, I'm Shanghai. It's like almost New York, but it's also cool. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Like if you yeah. want that kind of New York feel, where you're like fancy rooftops and like cool people yeah. and like. DJs and stuff like that, then probably we've got all of those in Beijing. I mean, we well. do, we do. <laughs> but, but, I'm try, but I don't I'm trying think, to give Shanghai face. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm just trying to say, like, when I think of Shanghai, I don't think of historic. Yeah, like I don't think of like history and like the Great Wall and like the yeah. Forbidden City and like Temple of Heaven wow. and like all these parks, right? I don't think of that. Mm. So if you're a tourist, that's mm. what you want to see. Yeah, because if I'm gonna come all the way to China 
and just see a big city like Shanghai, mm. well, why not go to New York mm. yeah. where I speak the language and I understand the food and like, you yeah. know, couldn't have just the same experience, essentially the same experience with spending too much for your cocktails. I think we can. <laughs> I want to come. That we have to agree on. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to come back around to where you've been and, you know, your experiences, but I also wanted to talk about the way that you shape your YouTube videos. How does one come to the point where they make a video? Do you create a narrative? How do you create a hook? How do you create an ending? What's that process like for you? Well, originally, because like I said, my channel's slightly changing now mm. because I can't travel as much. Uh, but originally, it was mostly just vlog stuff. Mm. I'm, I'm going to be at this place. This is what I'm going to do today. And I will go show you what, what mm -hmm. it's like. I, yeah. That's the hook. So if you're interested in seeing, say, pandas or something, mm. that's what I'm doing today. And so you you show a small clip of what they might see, like, hey, mm. I'm at the panda reserve. It's going to yeah. be so awesome. Come with me today. That's what we're going to do. Mm. And then when it was my wife and I both on the same videos on Trippin, um, you know, then I could come to her and she said, oh, do you think this is exciting? And it almost is like a conversation mm -hmm. between two people because you're just like, this is what we're doing. How do you feel about it? Oh, yeah. I feel great. Oh, exciting. Have you ever done this before? No. Mm. Okay. So that kind of just general vlog style. That can do okay. Um, it really depends on how high energy you are and how mm. interesting you are. And uh, it also comes back to some of the editing, like how mm -hmm. well you edit, mm -hmm. what shots you get. Um, and those are all things that you have to think about. But as you kind of because that channel kind of is slowly going away from travel because I can't do it right now. Mm. Um, it's become more scripted content and mm. more about kind of my opinions about China. And those types of videos tend to do well because people are just generally interested about China. And on YouTube, there's kind of two camps. It's kind of the anti-China camp. There's a lot of those. Of course. And then there's kind of the easy clicks. Easy clicks. Yeah, you can make some ridiculous headline about China doing something and people are like, I can't believe they did that. I got to I got to see. <laughs> and then you click on it and it's just, you know, some guy being just making making stuff up mm. um, half the time it's made up or he misread an article or intentionally misread an article. Um, and then there's the other side, which is kind of the pro China content of mostly people that live here who are like, it, it seems pro China because they are saying China's not as bad as everybody's saying it mm. is. And mm. so when you contrast it, it seems pro. But a lot of times it's not necessarily pro. It's just kind of like, no, this, this is, is what China is, is what it's like yeah. for us. This is my experience. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of more in that. This is my experience camp mm. now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously there's many things that I disagree with that China's doing. Right? That's just normal. Any country you live in, you're going to have some disagreement. But it's trying to balance it in the sense of where I'm not being negative or uh, like attacking because those anti-China like content producers or influencers, I just don't. I don't get it. Half of them don't even, I don't, half of them don't even live here. I mean, I get it from the money mm. side. Like they're making money off of that. Mm. But half of them don't even live here. I'm like, either you lived here at one point and now you've gone away. So, okay, move on with your life. Or, <laughs> or they're intentionally like, like just like attacking. There's some, and you're like, okay, well, you're backed by a media company. So you have an agenda. Mm. So that's clearly like, and I don't want to fall into that because it's like, I don't have either of those, you know, sometimes I might agree with some of the stuff they say, but it's like, I'm not going to come out and make a video like that because it's not, you know, like your show's called The Bridge. It's trying to kind of bridge the gap between the cultures. And I'm like, more of that content is just going to make people think China's this crazy place where everything's awful and people are like having a bad time. And I'm like, mm. that's not been my experience. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's all I can speak to. I was like, that's not been my experience. I can read all those articles in the New York Times or, you know, CNN or whatever. And they all pick one headline or show one clip of like something happening in China and then saying, oh, this is how China is. 
Yeah, and it's like that's not true. Of context too. Of course, yeah. There was Super. A, yeah, there was a some regular military exercise in Shandong mm. once, and then they put it somewhere else and said it was about <laughs> something else. Well, I mean, there was a totally rumor just recently. Would that is, yeah, they, yeah. yeah, they immediately think, oh I'm, my gosh, what's going on in China? I, I mean, there was a rumor recently. I'm sure you heard. Yeah, I heard. I heard that rumor. That, <laughs> yeah, you know, my, my I, I'm like, that. I'm like walking outside. I'm like, I'm, I don't think this. That's is happening. exactly what I. I immediately took a video of like you know where I am in like downtown Beijing, and I'm like, nope. Yeah. That's not true. Here you go. Yeah. People, I, mean, I, I live next to Jinsheng Park. And I so I'm like less than two minutes away from the Forbidden City. So, yeah. I mean, and that's close to uh, High, um mm. where the actual government is seated. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, there, this isn't happening. Yes. Like business as usual, like, my friends. There's tourists on the streets because it's the national holiday. You're listening to The Bridge. I actually wanted to tackle this specifically. So, you know, your dad was saying, oh, come over to China. It's mm-hmm. not like what you think. So what are some of the misconceptions that people get versus what is it actually like? Yeah. So like one or two examples. Yeah. Well, I think the media highlights specific things because they have an agenda, right? Um, they want to push a certain narrative. And unfortunately, in most of the mainstream media right now in the U.S., it's an anti-China mm-hmm. narrative. I don't think that's up for debate anymore. Like That's what's happening. And so they'll push things like, labor laws. I'll put videos out and talk about like um nothing even related to labor. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just get and I'll just get comments about how uh China has like forced slave labor types up. And I'm like, but that's not the truth. Yeah. Like, you know, th- th- this old like 1990s kind of idea is still around that there's like these sweatshops and there's mm. like kids mm. working like night and day to produce <laughs> handbags. <laughs> and you're like actually the labor laws in China are pretty strong. Like yeah. I had issues in my last job where I needed to fire people and I just couldn't because they're protected because they're by protected. the labor law. Yeah. And I I'd go to my my superior and I'd say, "Hey, this person isn't doing their job. Is there mm. any way we can remove them?" And they're like, "No, they've been here for over a year. So now they have protection. Like they can't get fired." And yeah. I'd be like, "No." I, <laughs> and I'd be like, "But but they're not doing their job." And they're like, "Yeah, but it's because they've been here long enough. They have protections." Yeah. And like, and then when you try and explain those misconceptions or try to explain that to somebody who's commenting on your post, they just don't believe it. Yeah. Right. They just say, "Oh, you're lying." And I'm like, "But I I, I can show you documentation. I can show you." where it says these things that and they'd be like protected. that's forged yeah and they'll say it's <laughs> fake right you know fake news it's, it's easiest way to get wow. out get out of something is just yeah. say it's fake and then the other thing like there's a lot of like other kind of weird ones that still persist like mm. there was this concept that in china there's like people eating dogs all the time and i'm like that's not real like i mean people treat their pets here in china better mm. than they do in the united states like yeah people love their pets here and it's like a multi-billion dollar industry mm. for like pet clothes like just clothes <laughs> itself like the little sweaters They're and little a like little ridiculous by the way well, i was actually <laughs> thinking about this in the future in a million years when dogs have finally evolved and they're smart like us are they going to be like why didn't you give me pants? <laughs> exactly. My, you, my grandpa could have had pants, but you just let him walk around like that. Yeah. I'm going to laugh when like in a thousand years, they start digging up. <laughs> they start digging up like archaeologists will find dogs that have pants on. And they'll be like, who was the smart one here? Why does this dog have pants on? <laughs> but um, yeah, so little things like that. And it's like, I guess the image of of China specifically for Americans is like 1950s mixed with like 1980s. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's very way to put it. old and backwards, but yet they produce a lot of stuff. So they're yeah. very like, not high tech, but they have manufacturing capabilities. So it's kind of <laughs> like mentality. They're like stuck in the fifties. They're communists. 
but yet they have the ability to produce a lot of stuff. Some and of the that's, fastest computers on Earth. Well, best but, but, but they Earth. don't know about that. Are yeah. they, are or they, they won't believe they it. They don't believe it. show them right. the news. Yeah. So if you show them like the fastest examples and examples like that, then they'll be like, well, yeah, but they don't have freedom. And you're like, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. Let's talk about a little bit about <laughs> things that might shock people getting off an airplane. So culture shock. I know this. you ha- you arrived here 2010, hmm. so it's kind of an old story. But what were the first things that surprised you about living in another culture in the first week or so? I mean, those are old stories, but they're still so in my mind. <laughs> <That's here. laughs> um, no, like one of the things that I noticed is because like you've been, you said you've lived in the United States and yeah. you're from the United States. Um, one of the biggest thing was food and specifically like markets. So in the United States, everything is bleached, which yeah. is really bad for you, but they bleach like the eggs and they bleach like everything, mm. like they bleach meat and stuff. And that's why um, Europe won't import some things. Yeah, that's yeah. why Europe won't import a lot of stuff because they'll, they'll, bathe it like in chloric acid or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but they basically, it's a bleaching process for like meats and like eggs yeah. and things like this. Um, even like milk and stuff, they, they, little, that's why it's so white. And like a lot of times they actually like will ble- bleach <laughs> these products. And um, so getting off the plane, coming from almost like a sterilized mm. food industry mm. where everything is packaged individually, where everything is like set to specific temperatures and like, yeah. food safety is really important in the United States. I get off and I walk into like a meat market uh-huh. and there's like pigs just like hanging there and there's like meat <laughs> out on all the tables and like the smell hits you before you even get in and you're just like what is this where is this what is this like yeah so that was one of the biggest things was just like like going into like a um hmm. like a like a meat you know, this is the first market. time i've heard this from i ask a lot of people this hmm. question and this is the first time i've heard this About specific meat. it's very specific well, I mean, it, no i mean i i can relate i just have really put it into words mm. and thought about it co- yeah. co- coherently but you know i actually really like you buy some broccoli or whatever and it's still got the dirt hanging off of the bottom of it it makes you feel that's, it's like this that's, just came out of the ground recently yeah yeah, yeah it hasn't been washed but yeah. who knows what that's one of my speaking of experiences at you know uh, grocery stores is one of my my cultural shocks going to the united states because here you've seen those grandmas or those bigger markets that only exist between 8 a.m which is way yeah, before yeah, yeah, the time yeah. i wake up so i never go here <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> but you know um you go to those places all you can get is the real organic mm, vegetables mm, mm. and that vegetable those vegetables are cheaper than the the packaged ones that yeah. you get mm-hmm. in a supermarket at least that's what that was my case before i went to the states and then i went to the states and i found whole foods and they're like oh organic mm-hmm. vegetable and they're so incredibly expensive mm-hmm. i'm like how is it it feels like mm-hmm. if it's healthier it's cheaper in china almost but it's like you know if it's healthier it is super expensive in the united states so that's completely kind of backwards mm-hmm. for me something mm-hmm. that i couldn't hard for me to wrap my head around. I've heard people talk about this in the, in the context of being an American, living in America, that organic is a way to outclass certain people. Because if you go to a more impoverished neighborhood, most everything is super processed. Whereas you go to like a very expensive neighborhood, 
everything costs a lot more and it's actually organic the way that food is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. very bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the United States talking about that, like they have the food deserts and like there'll be places where they don't even have a proper grocery store. Yeah. And true. so all they can get is processed food, processed cheeses, processed like at the Quickie Mart or some kind of like convenience mm. store, which yeah. isn't really a grocery store, but they'll have some vegetables mm. where here it's like there's a lot of vegetables and different markets and like you can go to kind of like the local market like you were talking about like yeah. what just kind or of like just care like, for yeah or you can go to yeah you can go to like a care for or something like that but i find that going to those stores i only go there for like specific items that i, can't I was gonna get. say the same exact and, thing yeah you go shopping for the cheap things like at the local market mm-hmm. and then if you need cheese you go to care for yeah. or something like you that. go to sanyani <laughs> yeah well, i mean there's a few other places yeah but there are a few places where you can go and get imported products mm. where it's hard to get like in like the just the regular market or the mm. regular chinese grocery store because like i like wraps for like burritos and mm-hmm. things like that yeah it's like i can make them at home it's not hard to make you mean like a flower Some, yeah like a flower wrap because i heard that like, making a corn tortilla but like a flower tortilla like you can make them at home but it's just so time consuming mm. so you usually just of go course. and buy them at the store but you can't get that outside of like a foreign grocery right, store right. that is true so there's certain things that i like to buy at the foreign grocery stores but going back kind of the culture shocks was mm. I, I guess that was one thing was kind of just the food in general, like mm. from two things on food. One was like kind of just like buying and like the grocery side of things, like the markets and things. But the other side was actually like the restaurants. Mm. Restaurants are really cheap <laughs> and really good. Yeah. And the Chinese food that you get in America is not the Chinese food that you get in China. <laughs> We're going to just so. con- continue to say this line. Because <laughs> that comes up show. in almost every interview. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because like, you know, you have like Panda Express or like some kind of Chinese thing. P.F. Chang. Yeah, something like that in like a mall or something. <laughs> the face. <laughs> well, yeah, now I you mean, can see my is. face. <laughs> like, and it's very designed for an American palate, right? Yeah. Those are the people that are reading it and that's what they need to cater to. Because if you brought them like a regular Chinese dish, super spicy, and gave it to like, <laughs> like if you wa- wanted to do hot pot, you're like, you're Americans, this is what Chinese people eat. They'd be like, <laughs> we're never touching that a- again. Like it's Wasn't way too spicy. Wasn't there a case and- in the United States where um, some, I think two ladies went to a more authentic Chinese restaurant and they're like, oh, we want the, we want the super spicy. And the, the owner was like, you do not want super mm-hmm. spicy. Please trust me. Like you Americans could only do mild spicy. She's like, no, I eat jalapeno pe- uh, peppers all the time. And she insisted against many, many warnings that the owner uh, gave out. She ended up going to the hospital. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Cause her stomach just couldn't handle it. And she, and she came back and tried to sue the restaurant, but what? the owner was like, I, I told you, like <laughs> when it comes to spiciness, it's, we're talking on different levels. No, I mean, I have to con- give some context to this because yes, some kinds of Chinese food are super, super spicy, but China has like so many different mm. kinds of cuisine Way too many. and they're very regional. And so yeah. s- some Chinese food is not spicy at all, you know, yes. on the, just for I feel like Yunnan food is very kind yeah. of plain and, and not very spicy or more salty if mm. you wanted to kind of, yeah, you get um, the sweet, mm-hmm. you get the salty you, you get savory spice. yeah and cantonese food is very different than it's not spicy. Say, like chengdu or, or sichuan don't yeah. food is not spicy yeah is that true yeah you would think that in a cold place you would want it to be hot i guess it's also dry so you don't want to have too much heat in your body talking about traditional chinese oh, medicine mm, the chi <laughs> the the is too hot you mm. want to make it too hot yeah so i think like with that that was also kind of surprising how different the food was but you know, in the first, the first like two months, I lost a lot of weight. And then like, since here on, I've just been gaining it back. <laughs> when I arrived. The last 12 years, I, I gained was, it all back. <laughs> when I arrived, I was a stick. I was really thin. Mm. And the food 
Well, I'm sorry. Blame it on the food. Blame, Blame it on the food. the food. Sorry, China, you did this to me. You did this to <laughs> me. How dare you, China? No, but I think like like because like it was so different. Like I couldn't find any dishes that I could like actually eat mm. because yeah. it was just so strange. You have to figure out. And like yeah, like which which ones? And, and one of the things that I still don't. Well, I don't eat meat now, but like one of the things that I couldn't eat back then was fish. Like uh, the the way they cook the fish with the bones, bones in it. I was just like, people were like, "Oh, it's like, yeah, the flavor's really and they good." They give you a fish. But Here's the fish. Yeah, it's the whole fish with the eye and the tail, everything. <laughs> and here's your fish and i'm like it will taste good like the flavor is good but then like you're spitting out bones constantly and i'm like that's yeah can't do that. in america we're so spoiled everything's like been sliced up for you it's and deboned it's deboned mm-hmm. people are like my friend my american friends like how do you go about training yourself to be good at eating you know fish meat with bones in it i'm like you just got to grow up with it and then half the bone stuck in your throat about 20 times <laughs> then you will learn i think which, i have actually gotten a little bit better at it mm. over time here in china but the first year it was like why do you guys not just take the bones out isn't that what like the kitchen's for <laughs> no <laughs> no okay so work but i think food. it also comes back to like the idea of like freshness like freshness mm-hmm. it is a real fish yeah with exactly. all the parts in it so you know you're getting an authentic <laughs> fish mm. if you have like chicken nuggets or like fish sticks you don't like, know what is what's this? in it exactly. yeah, like it tastes good it has a but... fishy kind of flavor <laughs> Is that a good it's thing? flaky like a fish, yeah. but I don't know what it is. You're listening to The Bridge. There's so many different questions I want to ask, but first, what do you miss about the States? I miss Taco Bell. So no, you have they it. have one here in Beijing. They have Taco Bell in Beijing. And they have two, at least two, because there's one on the west side, actually. Oh, oh the west side. But it side. doesn't have a bar. The one on the west side is more authentic, but it still does not have beans. Really? Yeah, both Taco Bells and the one in Shanghai, they don't have beans. They have lots of extra meat and rice and they have the tortilla and everything. There's mm. no beans in anything. That's odd. They have, yeah, I, so it is odd. And I miss that. You can't just have a bean burrito. Interesting. Right. Yeah, so what, what are things back home that you would say, man, I wish I could enjoy just that? get that easy. Yeah. Not just food, just anything. That is, I've been here for so long that I don't really miss anything from the United States. Mm. Um the only thing would be like family, but that's such mm-hmm. a it's kind of sappy. Everybody misses their family. Um, if we were talking about food, there was this weird thing that I liked. Okay, let's hear it. And you might know it. You're talking about, oh, I just had my own idea, but go on. So <laughs> around Christmas time, there's this little Debbie snack that is, looks like a Christmas tree. And I, they're, they're, I don't know why I like them, but they're like, it's a cake. So it's like a cake mm-hmm. snack and it's a little Debbie snack. But on the outside, the the like frosting is really like hard, almost mm-hmm. like crunchy. Mm-hmm. And the inside's really soft and it has like a layer of like cream in the middle. So that's like one thing that I've always liked those. And for some reason, like that's the one thing that I'd be like, eh, if I could have one of those, that'd be kind of all right. <laughs> Are you allowed to ship food like in a package from mom and dad? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. We've, I've had care packages or not so much my my side of the family, but my wife has had some care mm. packages from her side of the family where they send things in because the Dutch have specific things. Like I can get most American things here if I really look yeah. for it, either on Tabao or, or just go into like San Yuan mm. Lee or like yeah. one of these other markets or stores. So I can get most of the American stuff if I truly want it. But like Dutch stuff, because it's Dutch, like she's from the Netherlands. Mm. So their, their mm. culture is much Indian. smaller. And so to get those things imported, it's just like no store is really going to stock that and even on tabao a lot of the stuff doesn't uh 
show up or it's not the same brand. So the Dutch specifically her, uh, well, not specifically her, but the Dutch like licorice, which is oh, disgusting. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting. Let's... I don't like it. Oh, it's <laughs> awful. But she likes those and it's hard to get stuff like that here. Mm. So sometimes her mom will send her a package. There's no licorice in China. I, there are. I never really looked at ours, but it, it's, it's a different, like different uh, brand. It also tastes stuff. just like this little pills that we used to take as kids. If we have a cough, our parents mm. would give us those little, mm. those little pills. It has the exact same flavor as licorice. Mm. She should just get sick more often. <laughs> I know. Just find I'll, the I'll tell her that. I'm sure she'll be happy. Reverse <laughs> culture shock. You've been back to the States yeah. since you moved here. What yeah. kind of things did you suddenly think, well, that's odd? Um, I would say one of the biggest issues going back to the States, because I've been living abroad for so long, mm-hmm. I didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. And I like I didn't even have a driver's license at that point because it's just been so long. Yeah. So it becomes very clear that when a country doesn't invest in public transportation, how difficult it is for its to people get to around. get around. Yeah. Like here in Beijing, there's buses, there's subways, there's... <laughs> There's bikes, there's all kinds of ways, like, you know, have taxis and DDs and things like this. Going back to the United States, the first time I went back, um, Uber wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. So this was like 2011, I think, when I first went back. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a car because I had sold all my stuff to come to China because I was expecting to live in China for a year and then travel mm-hmm. through Asia for some period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really have anything. You don't have a box at mom's? Yeah, I mean, I had a box, but it, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't have like a car in my box. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I got back, it was kind of like, oh, like it's really hard to get around. Um, mm. So that was a bit of reverse culture shock. The other thing that I noticed, because I'm not um, like, I'm not like super fluent in Chinese. Mm. And so I don't watch Chinese television. Mm-hmm. Mm. So one of the things that I noticed when I got back, my parents watch television is there's the amount of advertisement that people <laughs> that have in the United States <laughs> is insane. Mm. Like, You'll have a, a, a hour show, but the show's actually only 30 minutes. So you'll have 30 Seven minutes, minutes yeah. of ads or something crazy. Like it's just a ton of ads. And like for stuff, people don't even eat like pills. It was all like pills. It was like, no, no, you have, it's a walking in the park with balloons and butterflies. It's not a pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Right. It's going to make you be able to walk in the park. Yeah. But like advertisement and like, this is my industry also. So like advertisement and marketing, mm. I think maybe I was more hyper aware of it because mm. I had been removed for a while, mm. but I hadn't noticed like. There's advertisement in China, obviously. Mm, yeah. But because I didn't watch Chinese television, like I didn't watch television here in China, I never really noticed. And like, same in Europe, the way that they have their advertisements, oftentimes they're very short and they're very much like at the beginning Straight or the, to the end. Point. Yeah. yeah. But they're also like the way that they in, like, include them in a program. It's often like at the beginning and the end. Yeah. And so you might have like one ad break in an hour show, mm. but it will be like, you know, maybe like a two minute ad break right in the middle. And then you have the first in the back. Same here wow. in China. You'll have that where you'll see the ad at the beginning. The show will play for quite some time. Yeah. And you'll have an ad break. Yeah. As we're in the United States, the ads were like every two minutes. Every, yeah. Every, every two minutes, you'd get a minute of ads. So you'd have two minutes of show, then a minute of ad, and then two minutes of show. And then it's like, it's unwatchable. Have you seen the, have you seen shows that were, you know, that started on network and then later moved on to Hulu? Hmm. And then you pay extra to remove the ads mm-hmm. on Hulu. Just get short. But then, <laughs> then it just becomes, yeah. you know, like three, five minutes of con- content dips to black. Three, five minutes of content dipped to black because mm-hmm. those are the original cuts. Yeah, mm-hmm. they add those in like that's yeah. the show actually adds mm-hmm. them in. And so paying extra to remove the ads almost become a little bit less friendly to the viewers. <laughs> so you just mentioned traveling to Europe. Mm-hmm. So do you also made videos about your, your European travels? Where did you go? What did you see? What did you like about Europe? I haven't made that many videos because I hadn't actually started that channel. 
um, when I was traveling in Europe, mm. but we arrived in 2013, maybe is when we went there. And so we went to, um, we, we flew into Paris. And so we did some time in France. Then we went to, took train to Belgium and spent a couple of days in the capital. You, you eat chocolate while you're there, yes. Uh, yeah, of course, of course, right. <laughs> and, then, and then we went to the Netherlands and spent time with her family. Um, Got the approval. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, her father came to China and her mother came twice. What and my sister has China? come once. Yeah, what did they think about China? Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, her father, um, he's no longer alive, but when he came... Um, he was blown away. He was like, he doesn't, he couldn't speak very much English, but he wanted to have in-depth conversations with me <laughs> about all the things in China. And, um, he was like, whoa, they have all these sports cars. Cause he went down to like San Lito yes. and like, he saw all like the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and the, you know, Aston Martins and stuff. And he was just like, whoa, he Who was blown away. People? Yeah. He's like, I didn't know they had like these kinds of things. Like, well, what did you kind of expect it's a yeah it's a normal country <laughs> like everybody has this idea that china isn't normal and so why would they have these types of like luxury cars and i'm yeah. like actually that's like the biggest market for many of these brands is mm. now china mm. especially like luxury bags and handbags and like prada yes. and all this stuff um china's its biggest like that's mm. their biggest market yeah and so people don't realize that because they again they have this idea that it's like 1950s or like <laughs> 1980s or something like come this weird mix like i was saying it's this weird mix of opinions and so when people come they just are like blown away You're listening to The Bridge. So can you tell us about what you want to share with your fans on TripBitten? So that is spelled T-R-I-P-B-I-T-T-E-N, TripBitten on YouTube. Mm -hmm. What is it that you're hoping to share with them in your travels to Malaysia and Laos and Japan and China, etc.? Well, I, get, I think originally with like the travel style content, it was kind of twofold. One, just to show that you can do it. There's this kind of mentality in the United States, I think specifically, is that like the world is this big place and you can't really leave mm. your mm. like your hometown. Like I know people that when I was saying that I was going to come to China, mm. they thought that was the craziest thing they'd ever heard. They're like, what do you <laughs> Most mean? Most people do, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like I was talking to coworkers and stuff because I had a job before I came. Like when I was in university, I had a part-time job. So you had a part-time job and people thought it was a crazy idea coming to China. Yeah. So like, of course, like I was saying, ah, I think I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go to China. And like, I would see these people and they would get this like look on their face. Like this is something that <laughs> was never even in their mind are like a possibility. Like, what do you mean you can leave the United States? <laughs> like, that's a, you, you mean allowed? like on a cruise, right? It's not yeah, even, yeah, right. it's not even like, to... why China is like, why would you leave this country? Well, that, a lot of people have that mentality. I mean, mm. we're told since we're little that America's the greatest country in the world. And so mm. if you're in the greatest country in the world, why would you leave that, right? And so I think a lot of people are bought, they buy into that idea because we're told from a little, from a young age in school mm. and, and everything. And so when I would tell them that I was going to go, it was just such a strange concept to them. And so with the YouTube channel, I think part of it was just to kind of show people that, yeah, there's a bigger world. There's more happening in the world. Mm. Um, you don't have to live in your hometown forever. Like you can do other things. And then the other half of it was like also because I hadn't been communicating all that often with my family and they do want to know what I'm up to. Mm -hmm. One way that you can show what you're up to is just by showing what you're That's up to, right? <laughs> it's like, this is where we are. This is what we're doing. And it's not like my family doesn't communicate. It's just like once once you get, well, you know, like- yeah, a phone call only goes so far. Exactly. exactly. A Zoom or a Skype. Skype was the thing back then, now it's Zoom. But that's like, you know, different time zones, different life 
yeah. to be honest. Like, it's just a different life. So sometimes, you know, you send an email and then you get a response or whatever, mm. but seeing it is very different. Yeah. It's a very visual, almost like um, immersive experience. Like you're mm. there with me traveling. Mm. And that was kind of part of the idea. So the twofold was kind of just to show that you could do other things. And then also for my family, because I knew that they were watching it, specifically my my parents, because they traveled a lot when they were young. Mm. And so mm. they found it interesting. Hey, and your dad, he lived in China. No, no, he didn't live. He he worked here for one summer. It was a summer mm. program. Mm. But he lived many other places um, during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. 60s and 70s, mostly, they traveled the world for about seven years, my parents. Wow. Yeah. So they met. That's actually... Very unusual, especially for that time, I think, for a yeah, lot of Americans. Yeah. We always joke they were part of the CIA because they went <laughs> they went places they shouldn't have gone, like Iran, right before it uh, mm. fell. And like uh they went they went places that they they yeah, they went to Israel, they went to Iran, they went to um Morocco and India. They went many places and they mm. were all down through South America mm. during times. <laughs> During that time, um, no, they, they, I, I don't think they were. But we'd always joke because they traveled so much; they were extensively like traveling. So, mm. so your time as an English teacher was very short, and then you ended up working mm -hmm. for a major oil exporter. Is that correct? Yep. And so you did marketing, mm -hmm. and so in what capacity? What was that like? How did how does marketing work in in that arena? Mm. Yeah. So when I first came here, like I said, I was only going to stay for like a year. So I was like, ah, teaching job make a little bit of money on the side and then go mm. travel. But once it became clear that I was going to stay in China, like mm. longer term, you wanted a then I was like, well, job. I want a professional job. Yeah, yeah mm. it makes sense because I studied marketing. I didn't mm. study English. Like that's not my major and I'm not particularly good at teaching. Um, so I said, okay, well, how do I transition out of that into a professional job? And I ended up landing a job at China National Petroleum, Zhongguo Shoyo, mm -hmm. which is the largest oil company in China. And they have lots of subsidiaries doing lots of different things from just like petro stations on the side of the road where you can just buy gas to uh, drilling in China and, and outside of China to lots of different like natural gas and all these different aspects of the petroleum industry. Mm. So I was working for a subsidiary that was doing drilling. And so we were a drilling company that would go to other countries and help drill. Um, mm -hmm. We also had projects in China, but because I was part of the international department, like the international marketing department, mm -hmm. I only focused on the international projects. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that day to day was like any other business, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of paperwork and reports <laughs> and filing. Um, but the interesting like kind of aspect is because people don't really know a lot about it was um, we were drilling in many countries that were maybe difficult for American companies to enter. Uh, through sanctions, or they just found it difficult for um, them to operate in that mm -hmm. country. So mm -hmm. China would take a lot of these contracts like Iran and like mm -hmm. Cuba and like Peru and Venezuela and places where Nigeria and places mm -hmm. like this, where it was more difficult or just American operators chose not to operate. And then you switched to publishing, but yeah. also marketing. Yes. Also marketing. Yeah. So I, I, when I was at the oil company, I was in the international marketing department and I was just a uh, marketing coordinator. So I'd help mm. them with like trade shows and day-to-day uh, -day kind mm. of stuff because all the business is conducted in English because mm. it's international business. Mm. And so I'd help them with English stuff. I'd help them with contracts. I'd help them with trade shows and creating marketing content for mm. their mm. trade shows and whatever type of marketing stuff we'd put out. 
um, advertisement and things like that. And so when I switched to International Publishing Group, I ended up taking a management position. Mm -hmm. That's why I switched. So I was offered a management position Mm -hmm. and more money. And, you know, it's a career, you know, that's what you do in a career. You move up, right? Yeah. Uh, I was told at the oil company that there wasn't a lot of growth opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. you know, it's difficult, especially since I had only worked there for a, a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity there as a foreigner. And just because many people had worked there many years mm-hmm. who would be up for a promotion before mm-hmm. me. I mean, that's how yeah. that's how these many organizations work, not just these. Um, and so I jumped ship because I got a, more money and a management position. And while I was there at that company, we were doing media. Mm-hmm. It's a publishing group. And I was a manager of one of the brands. So China International Publishing Group is like the parent company. And then they have a lot of different mm. brands mm. underneath them that do video. We were mostly mm. doing video. Um, we also did some uh, articles, but our main focus was video. Mm. And so we would make videos about China. Um, we would go to different areas um, all around the country and film things like poverty alleviation efforts. Mm, mm, mm. You know, mm. the standard stuff that China puts out. You're listening to The Bridge. Could you tell us a little bit about what you saw in poverty alleviation? Because yeah. I, that's something I find personally very fascinating, how China was able to raise 700 million people mm-hmm. out of absolute poverty. Right. So a lot of those uh, stories that we would might report on or, or try to make a video about where we would go into like an impoverished area or a previously impoverished mm-hmm. area. And we would talk to the locals. So we would usually talk to two or three local people. And then maybe like the, because it is still like the mayor is a communist party member. So we would go and talk to the party members and ask them kind of what were the efforts? What were the things that they did to help these people out of poverty? Mm. And they would tell us different programs. I mean, that was the reason we were there. It's to report on the programs that were Mm -hmm. happening. And some of them were kind of province level funded. Some of them Mm -hmm. were federally funded, like from the national Mm -hmm. um, party. And so we would just talk about those things. Mm -hmm. And I personally didn't really go on any of those trips Mm because I was the marketing manager. Mm -hmm. So we would send people out, Mm -hmm. like reporters or or Mm -hmm. hosts out to these areas. But the videos that came back were always uh, interesting enough. The problem with that is I'm trying to market it to an international Mm -hmm. audience Mm -hmm. and they don't understand kind of what's happening in China Mm -hmm. for the first Mm -hmm. part. They don't understand that at all. And then they don't understand why is this story being told. Mm. So it's very mm. difficult to find an audience for that type of content. Mm. That's what I found. The stories were fine and the angles were good enough. Mm. Um, but the problem with it was it just wasn't engaging. There's a larger context that's missing for them. Right. They don't know the whole story. They don't mm. understand how China has progressed in the last 40 years, right? Mm. You say this area, there used to be a lot of poor people here. And now this village, you know, they're making seven or eight dollars a day, right? And people say seven or eight dollars a day, that's nothing. It's like, yeah, but they were making one dollar a day, mm. yeah. like only 10 years ago. So it's increased yeah. by sevenfold. So it'd be like if you, I was making a video the other day on my own channel and I, I made the, the comparison. 770 million people mm. is like bringing two and a half Americas out of poverty. Mm. Yeah, Like exactly. all Americans. Mm. Yeah. Like you can't understand that if you don't actually think about it. And so a lot of times these videos would try and make those points mm. and people just didn't understand it. Like, what do you mean half a million people in this area are now pulled out of poverty? <laughs> like, they don't even live in a city of half a million people. So they don't, un- like True. the concept is so foreign. And then poverty is also very foreign to like the United States because poverty in the United States is like, you might make $20,000 a year. 
right? Or fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. That's mm-hmm. poverty. You're going to struggle in the United States, but poverty in China, you might be only making like two or three thousand U.S. dollars a year, and now that's increased two or three times fold. Like yeah. it'd be like if you took somebody in the United States and, and they increased their income from twenty thousand to like seventy thousand a year. Like if you did that, they would be like, this is the most amazing thing <laughs> yeah. that's ever happened. My life has absolutely changed. Hmm. But if you say, oh, we've moved from a thousand or two thousand dollars a year to eight thousand, they're like, no, yeah. that's nothing. You aren't you're eight thousand, you're still poor. Hmm. It's because they don't understand like how money works within like this culture because they only yeah. have a reference point of your own culture and your own society. Makes so sense. they're saying, oh, they're making eight thousand dollars. That's nothing. Hmm. Right. And so then, then, so like that was like one of the hardest things when you're making this type of content yeah. is how do you get a foreign audience to actually understand what we're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Because like, our, like when we put the same content out on Chinese platforms, mm. it would do very well. Millions mm-hmm. of views of course. And, and people understood it and they'd like and be like, oh, that's such a great piece. It's such an yeah. interesting story. Put it out on YouTube or Facebook or wherever <laughs> else we were posting it. And people, if they did watch it, which oftentimes they didn't just because yeah. it wasn't an interest to them. But if they did watch it, then they'd be like confused. The comments would be like, I don't get it. Or like, you know, something else like mm. like that. Like, mm. oh, well, they're still poor. Or something. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but. <laughs> and you, you transition from this to focusing on your YouTube channel full time. Mm. So you, this is kind of a continuity of work, mm. marketing, marketing. Yeah. And the YouTube channel is kind of also marketing. You're marketing your tra- travels, yeah. you're marketing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, with that is um, my contract ended with that um, company mm. and I had just gone through the start of the pandemic. My contract ended in 20, let me think, 2020, like in August. Mm-hmm. So we had just gone through this media push that I didn't necessarily agree with. And my contract was coming to an end. And because of just everything that was happening, it was a stressful time for a lot of people. And there was a lot of, of like this wolf warrior kind of mentality on Twitter. And China was pushing this, this, we have won, we beat COVID, like we, we're the best country in the world. And I was thinking, mm, give it some time. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, and so my contract was ending. I didn't necessarily want to work there anymore. And they didn't necessarily want me there anymore because it was just kind of like I had gotten burned out doing Mm -hmm. that type of content for four years. And like a lot of it I can get behind and I can understand the angle and the reasoning for the piece of content. But for four years trying to push out content and not making the changes that I wanted within the Mm -hmm. company Mm -hmm. um, to make the content better for an international audience, it had gotten to the point where I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so luckily my wife works full time and I was able to get a dependent visa through my wife, Mm -hmm. uh, which would allow me to stay here. Mm. Um, in China, which obviously at that point in time, nobody wants to leave. I mean, China was um, the safest place at that point in time, right? Mm. I mean, it's still technically the safest place, um, has the the least amount of COVID in based on population and everything. Um, But so we weren't going to move. So I got a dependent visa because my wife had just gotten a promotion at her work and she was happy. And so Mm. I said, okay, well, what can I do? And uh, that's when I decided to focus specifically on her channel. Like I said, at the beginning, I said, Mm. I focused on her channel doing the 10 years in Mm -hmm. in China series. And so I was like, well, your channel has more subscribers. So let's push. And I was like, I like filming you because (laughs) you're my wife and I love you. Right. Everything's great. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I think she's really pretty, you know, obviously. Um, So I was like, oh, you would be great as a host. Let me do all the back end. Let me do the filming. Let me do the editing. And all you have to do is, yeah, and I was going to be, yeah, be pretty and fun. (laughs) And I can even write your scripts so that you have an idea of what you're yeah. saying. Well, we did that, like I said, and it did really well on her channel. 
but basically it was kind of like a top 10 reasons type list like it was mm-hmm. like the top, nice. top 10 reasons i love living in china top 10 favorite yeah. chinese foods these kinds of things and those videos can do very well and they did do very well but she got tired of it mm. because she's like well there's no creativity it's just kind of the, it's just like a list and mm. i was like yes but it's working so let's just keep doing it and mm. then she's like but i don't want to do it and so then mm. that fell apart and that's when I decided, okay, well, I could start focusing on my own. If you manage yourself. Yeah, if I manage myself and I write my own scripts, then I wouldn't I know. disagree with myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's like, kind of that. What a brilliant idea, me. <laughs> I'm great. Wow, I look really I, good on camera. <laughs> and then I put it out and people are like, this sucks. I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> well, you have 20, I like 21,300 subscribers. Yeah, 21,000 um, subscribers. And, uh, you know, that's grown recently. I had a video that did really well. Mm. And so... I got a lot of new subscribers recently. Hmm. And um, so I'm just going to kind of keep going down that path. I'm doing my 12 years in China series now. So I'm kind of mm. working on that. Nice. And I well, figure if it worked well for her, it should work well for me. It sounds like you know what you're doing a lot better than me because you have more followers on YouTube than I do. But I mean, you are living in Beijing. Couldn't you do like just Yunming Yun? And then you could do a diff- different like district or like hutongs one day it's like hey this is yeah and i think that might work really well on chinese social media because Mm. people generally have an interest in that but again going back to like the poverty alleviation and stuff Mm. if if there's no interest in in it Mm. um then it doesn't matter how well it's produced yeah people are like what's a hutong what are you talking about people won't watch it regardless of how well it's produced because i've seen some fabulous videos on youtube Mm. and i watch it i'm like wow this is really great and you go and you look and they have no subscribers (laughs) yeah or they have no views and you're like oh you know but the topic itself isn't interesting Mm. or the way the information is presented is an interesting marketing so (laughs) absolutely you gotta know your audience you gotta know the targeted (laughs) yes yes and so one of the things that i've found with like the Chinese space, like I was talking about earlier, is there's kind of the anti-China and then there's kind of the kind of pro-China people Mm. who live here who kind of tell a different side of China. And I guess you could classify them as pro because most of them aren't critical. Mm. Um, And so- Are you familiar with Jerry Gray? Yes. We had him on the program and one of the things that he said was, this is just what I see. You know, like this is my experience. Your words from earlier. Right. That's that's the thing. It is like our our experiences, but it appears pro- Hmm. because we're not saying China is this terrible place like the other (laughs) other YouTubers, right? So the other YouTubers that are very popular are media groups. Like even now there's the W-I-N-O from India, I think it's Mm. in there they're crazy uh, <laughs> they're really they're really negative to china and like so okay. like there's a lot of that content out there so it's kind of you end up in one or two camps the only person that i know that has done really successful that hasn't really been in one of the two camps is amy from blondie in china yeah um she lives here in beijing met her many times and mm. i know her and like but she does food videos mm. so mm. i could go out and do food videos like you're saying go to different areas yeah. and try different yeah. foods but i don't eat meat so <laughs> hey, there are a lot it. of uh uh vegan self media influencers that are doing really well maybe. yeah maybe some, what is the maybe vegan population vegan or of vegetarian of like yeah. the u.s or europe like yeah it's like 10 percent, 5 percent. i don't know I don't i'm just know. making that up right but then again it's a very small audience so like yeah. if you're going to eat chinese food you got to eat chinese food right yeah. you got to eat the 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 noodles or the like big the, leg, the big leg. yeah like i'm, I'm yeah. trying to think or of fire like, yeah. like yeah and so like 
those are the things that you need to, if you want to make it interesting, like the food ranger who used to live in China before he moved to Malaysia, like he used to do all that. Does he have go. a big hat? Just how you said the word <laughs> ranger. I'm like, <laughs> brim hat. Funny, Jason. Yeah. This one popped into my mind. He's a ranger. He's got yeah. a big hat and a badge. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to inspect and your food. <laughs> it gets the approval. Um, no, but he he's, yeah, he was here in China a long time ago and lived in China, did became popular got his first million subscribers doing that type wow. of food stuff and then he went to thailand because his wife i believe is from thailand and then did thai food for a while and then mm. he was in malaysia and then recently he's been like in pakistan and other places mm. and nice. so like there are there are opportunities there are people that do like that type of like food video mm. but you have to be willing to actually eat that and you have to actually know food True. Like you can't just be like, this tastes really good. <laughs> because I've, 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 we've done food videos in the past, my wife and I, and then you watch them again. And you're like, all we were saying is, wow, oh my this God, is really wow. great. Mm, mm, so yeah. good. It's so good. It tastes great. <laughs> and then and then we're like, what does it taste like? And we're like, uh, like pork. If you aren't really describing it and really going into detail and really yeah. getting like the perfect shots. Yeah. That type of content seems easy on the surface. But it actually, really it's not. Yeah, yeah like mm. those food vloggers, actually, they have to understand their audience also, mm. like yeah. and what they actually want to see and, and set up the story of why are they eating this food? Why is it important? It's a whole story. With the it. history of that yeah, food. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Like the, and, and the ones that do it well, do it well. Mm. <laughs> right? Uh, but a lot of people don't. And so that's yeah. what YouTube, like with anything, there's tons of YouTubers out there mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. who are in China who just, you probably don't know about them because they mm. only have like four or 500 subscribers, mm. right? They're not doing it well. Mm. And the only reason you found me was because I was able to do it a little bit better than some of the others. Because you're right? a marketing professional. Well, I mean, <laughs> to some extent, right? Yeah, I mean, mm. like I've been able to grow multiple YouTube channels and like there's, there's steps and there's processes that you mm. have to do in order to actually get them bigger. Mm. And unfortunately, like I don't necessarily have like the dedication <laughs> to really truly push it. Mm. Like, because like the ones that do really well are weekly uploads with shorts in between and like they're really on it's it a making lot a lot work. of content mm. and that takes a lot of time so right now i'm focused on my life in china and kind of my opinions on china because i can't travel as much mm -hmm. so i'm going to start kind of just kind of opinionated pieces kind of what i think about china mm -hmm. and because of i have experience here so i feel mm -hmm. that gives me some authority mm -hmm. plus i've worked mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. chinese like state-run companies like China National Petroleum is a state-run company yeah. and mm -hmm. China International Publishing Group is a state-run company. Yeah. Like, so there are parts of my story that are different than say just an English teacher yeah. who shows up and eats food. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? So there are different aspects that I feel like I can actually talk on these subjects mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, a little mm -hmm. bit more because, yeah, because of my experience. personal experience. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's kind of the direction that I'm going to try and focus until possibly traveling in the future again. You're listening to The Bridge. Would you consider moving to other regions of the world or are you going to use China as your base of operations? Mm. Right now, my wife and I has, have, have been having the debate about whether or not we're going to stay in China. Mm. And so we've been here for 12 years um, and that's, a, you know, you get settled in mm -hmm. yeah. and you get comfortable where you live. Mm. And so making the jump to move is is a big decision like if of we've course. been here for like a year and all your like, friends whatever, yeah. connections friends, networking networking the lifestyle and lifestyle and work like mm -hmm. my like i said my wife got a promotion which is why mm -hmm. when we were kind of thinking of possibly leaving then she got a promotion so it was like well okay we can stay a little bit longer mm -hmm. and now her contract is going to end in like not next summer so about two 
two years from now, 2024, mm. her contract will end. And so we have to make a decision in the next couple of months because they're, the work is asking what her decision is going to be. Is she going to resign a contract or not? Um, so we have to make a decision on where we're going to be and what we want to do. We haven't made it yet, but I'm sure like yourself, you've been living here under the situation. Um, well, I love it here. Personally, I'm going to retire here. That's my right. plan. I just got to make sure there's a couple of bridges in my pension because hmm. if, <laughs> if you miss a month, it might affect your yeah. pension. Really? So I have to go back and make sure that those are filled. Oh, oh, okay. And then I, when I retire, I Here's get pension that. and oh, I'm going to oh. be like, yes, I'm okay. going to stay home and take, it's not a lot of money, but it's enough it's to enough. like cook enough. food at home and watch TV. So I'm going to be like, yes, it's my, it's my turn to watch TV, mom and dad. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's situation is a little different. Yeah, so with yeah. my wife and I, seeing that we don't have any family here, you do. Mm -hmm. And that makes a big difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so her family is in the Netherlands. My family is in yeah. the United States. We haven't seen them in over three years. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so there are aspects that make us question how long we're going to stay. Well, have you actually, you, you visited the Netherlands. Would you consider living there? Oh, I would. She doesn't want to. Really? Oh, that's interesting. I, I thought it would be the opposite that <laughs> yeah. she's like, please move to the Netherlands. No, no. She wants no. to move to the States. I don't want to move to the States. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, you guys are in a perfect <laughs> still, reverse situation yeah, exactly. with each other. Right. So she's like, I, she's always like, I would love to go to the States and, li and live there. And I'm like, but I don't think it's like, my opinions on the United States are very different hmm. now mm. that I've lived abroad. And so I'm like, so the workers' rights, the gun ownership, and yeah. the general distrust of each other and the divide in the United States has grown, mm. specifically with social media. Yeah, I was going to say, so, I've been thinking about like... Social media seems to prime people to say the most rude things that you would never say to in someone you disagree yeah. with. And you're, yeah. in yeah. real life, if I meet an American with opposite opinions here in Beijing, we'll be like, oh, hey, how's it going? And mm -hmm. be amicable about it. But as soon yeah. as people are online, it's yeah. just they become Social media very is, cruel. Social media is the worst thing that's probably happened to our society mm. or as a whole, not just not just in the United States, because it's everywhere, like Facebook mm. and YouTube and all these platforms, Twitter. It's global, mm. right? Mm. And so social media is ter terrible for people's mental health and just for their well-being. I use it every day because I'm a marketer <laughs> and I, I'm part of the I'm part of the problem. But you know, at the same time, I think it's it's a really terrible for people. And so, in in going back to that idea of like, I don't want to move to the United States right now, and I don't see that in the foreseeable future. Mm. So that's why I'm like, Netherlands seems like a pretty good country, but it's kind of like the devil, you know. I know the United States, she doesn't. So everything mm. to her is new and exciting. Like, oh, I've never been to this or that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, it seems like yeah. a fun place to live. And I'm like, mm, probably, <laughs> probably not. And like, it's the same with the Netherlands. I think it's this fun, cute country where like people have claws yeah. and there's windmills and there's tulips <laughs> and like, we eat funny like snacks. And she's like, but I know the Netherlands. Yeah. Someone told me they so. were going to San Francisco and I was like, okay, here's a map. This area, don't, don't go, go there. Yeah. This area, don't go there. This, uh, don't well, go I mean, there. Now, as long as you can do that, you'll be great. Yeah. I mean, now yeah. you see the videos coming out of like the homeless problem in the United States mm. and it is, it's heartbreaking to be honest. Like it has gotten worse. It's gotten worse. Worse in LA, it's five hundred eighty thousand. Yeah, and you're like, why can't the government just build some homes, help these people? Yeah, right. And and like you know, you you'll have plenty of interviews, people talking about oh, it's very complicated. Yeah, it's that's what really that's complex. What, I mean, but it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's really complicated. <laughs> yeah, but when it isn't. When, when they do homes. in China, build homes, live here now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's so complicated. It's 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 really not. You have a you have a federal budget, and it could be done Ugh. if the Congress was willing to do it. Yeah, sign it off. 
give them whatever billion dollars they need. I mean, we're giving aid to other countries mm, and mm, 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 there's a lot of disagreement with that. Yeah. Sign that off, give them the money and, and put them in homes. So Americans, they should come and visit China. It's a nice place to come. Yeah. Or I mean, the sky is black. <laughs> <laughs> I lived through the the uh, Beijing air apocalypse. That was bad. <laughs> that was 2013 and 14 was real bad. But now, no problems. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing. Like when when media oftentimes will make reports, they'll try and use specific clips. And this mm, is also course. about the misinformation that's put out. Because now we have more blue days than we have. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to go back to media really quickly because I noticed that in, I think it was 2020, there was a huge storm that blew off of Mongolia mm. and the sky turned orange yep. for like yes. two or three days. And you saw that on CNN. It's mm. like, ah, look, You're like, the sky is orange. Yeah. But then they don't show that it's blue. Every like, other day. Right after. <laughs> right after. And every <laughs> day for months afterwards. Yeah. Well, that was the thing that I noticed. Like, like when I first came to Beijing, yeah, it was real bad. But then like there was a change from the kind of central government, I think that was probably about 2014 is when they really decided things needed mm. to change. Yeah. And it took them another two years to fully implement, implement. all their yeah. changes. So from 2016 till now, we have more blue skies and more more mm. days that are definitely like clean air mm. and, and proper like levels of the 2.5 or whatever. And um, but you don't you don't hear that, right? Mm. Of course, Nobody, not. nobody's <laughs> going to say Beijing has cleaned up his act and Beijing's a nice place to live now. All right, can I ask you some cliche questions now? I mean, sure. Right, so what are some of your favorite foods here in China? Oh, God. Well, like I like I said <laughs> recently, I'm not eating meat, so I'm mm. a vegetarian now. You can yeah. have most Chinese foods in a vegetarian. Like, yeah, yeah you can. You yeah. can. You can ask. Um, but I was going to say what was going to be funny is like, I actually like Chinese barbecue. So oh, the you can have tofu, that's mushrooms, that's mushrooms so or like, like vegetable yeah. barbecue. So like vegetable. eggplant, yeah. oh, their yeah. eggplant is really good. Mm. Like when they fry it on the grill yes. um, and then you have like cauliflower and you can have different types of um, mushrooms and things yeah. that actually, so a barbecue I actually like, even though it's not meat based. So mm. there's like tofu and different things that you can actually cook um, on the barbecue and like the spices are really nice. So yeah. that's one of my things that I like, especially when you go out with friends, because it's accommodating to other people who mm. do eat meat, because then they can just have a barbecue. And then mm. I can also because some places you go and like, you can ask them to take the meat out. And sometimes they will, sometimes yeah. they won't depending on and so it can get complicated if yeah. you're going out with friends. Sure, barbecue easier, is easy. yeah. Everybody you, can Yeah, everybody you, can. You have, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I mean, you do have options like molotong, where you yeah. put your own stuff in, of course, yeah, that's uh, good. or you have a <laughs> hot pot, hot which pot, you yeah. can put your own things in. Yeah, yeah. You can also divide it. So we're eating together. Using a small, yeah, yeah, yeah you get or yours, I get mine. Pot. Yeah, you can have the spicy, spicy. I'll have the less spicy. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Actually, I, I used to enjoy eating the spicy because I had something to prove, and now I'm like, I don't want that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I just want this one curry or whatever, like mm. yummy. Yeah, I want the good tasting one, <laughs> <laughs> not the one that's gonna burn my mouth. <laughs> you have traveled to a lot of places, and you did mention earlier going to Chengdu. And mm. where are other places in China that you found resplendent? <laughs> There last uh, time, like I did a proper like travel in China. I went. It was 2019, mm. and it was uh, we went to my wife and I. We went to Jujago, which is like um, oh, this it's beautiful, a yeah, this beautiful natural like I guess it's a park. I'm not sure. I guess it's technically a park, but it yeah. like, has these natural like hot spring type things, mm. uh, hot springs and pools of just like super clear water. 
And uh, actually, they had it shut down for a long time because there was an earthquake there. Yeah. And they reopened it in 2019. And that's why we went. And uh, we did some horseback riding and we did some camping and we did like this nature walk through these like this area, this park. Yeah. And absolutely stunning. Just beautiful photos. And not too crowded because it had just reopened. Mm. So it wasn't like overrun because mm. some tourist places can get kind of, I mean, it's a lot of people. Yeah, 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 it can get overwhelming. I think another one we went to the Avatar Mountains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, what I haven't, I've never been. Yeah. And um, when we went there, it's just like wall to wall people. So you're just of like, course. <laughs> you're like I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful area, but it's hard to get the shots that you want if you're trying to make a video. Mm. And like with my wife, she's very tall. And so anytime I take her to any place outside of Beijing, people will be like, Whoa. she becomes, she becomes, she becomes a tourist. A spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People will run up and take pictures of her and, and try and ask her stuff. And she speaks Chinese pretty well. And mm. so like people will have conversations with her and like, you're just talking in the corner. Well, I'm just like, I'm trying to make a, I'm trying to make a video here. And these people are just can, running up. Let me take a That'd photo. be a great video. Look, um, look how my wife becomes a tourist attraction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's a superstar. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's fun my first one or two times. <laughs> but then when it's like every time it's like, okay, I, like, can I, you stop? Yeah. Can you, can you stop? Because she's new to them at that moment. Yeah. yeah. But this experience has been happening for yeah ever for the last you know, 12 years so it's I, not new to us i hear this from some foreigners too but for some reason i guess it's my egotistical n nature mm. i love it when people are like Lawa. i'm like yes <laughs> That's me. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it, right? And mm. and it's always done in like admiration and respect. Yeah, it's never curiosity. done. Yeah, it's yeah. curiosity. Like, whoa, I've just never, I've never seen, seen this. Like, even here, I was on the subway coming over to this interview, and a little kid just ran up and it's like, wow. <laughs> like, I looked down at him. I'm like, we're in Beijing. Like, what are you talking about? Like, wow. <laughs> and like, so. And then he ran back to his bomb and I was like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't bother me, but it was still like mm. that curiosity mm. or that, mm. like that wow factor. Like you've yeah. never seen a, you know, a six, one blonde haired, blue eye woman standing in front of you. And you're just like, Wow. Yeah, I gotta say, I you don't know. know that many of those. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, I said wow when I saw her. I was like, wow, I'm gonna marry you. Uh, yeah. so, so we know who courted who. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a story for another time. Mm. But that was funny. <laughs> Please join us next time on The Bridge, where East meets West. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Miguel. And thank you so much, Alex. Of course. Thank you, Jason. I'm super lovely meeting you. I'm definitely going to go home and check more videos. And thank our you. listeners probably should mm. do that, too. Yes. Thank you. Thank All you right. so much. Oh, yeah.